0: Welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast about personal development. Now we have some extra special news. We are launching the Gay Men Going Deeper membership community and we are so excited about it. So before we jump into today's episode, here's some more information about the membership.
1: When we were creating this community together, the three of us realized we share one thing in common. We all want to feel like we are not the lone wolf anymore and that we have a group of like-minded people we can finally feel like we belong to. None of us could find this space, so we decided to create it ourselves. I remember feeling really disconnected and lonely. All I saw was the hyper-sexualized culture that lacked deeper intimacy and connection. I was craving something more. I wanted to connect with other spiritual gay men that were also interested in personal development. Once these connections started to take root, this is when my need for belonging started to feel met and my negative view of the gay community started to change.
2: And I wanted to be an example of what is possible when you combine scene queen with a spiritual warrior, representing that side of gay culture that is both campy and compassionate, sexy, yet soulful. I love personal development, but I wanted to apply it to my unique lifestyle, and then create a space where things like mindfulness and spirituality could be accessible by others like me. And I wanted to create a
0: home base for myself, a place where I could feel at home and safe with the community of amazing gay men also looking to build a similar community.
1: So we noticed there were two types of people in the gay men's brotherhood, the type of person who really wants to make changes and the type of person who is not quite ready and may need a little more time in a less structured space. We know at times it can be frustrating for these two groups of people to be in the same space, so we decided to create the Gay Men Going Deeper membership community to cater to those of you who are ready and excited about personal development. This will be a space for those of you who want more guidance and structure as you evolve physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We are here to show you what you are capable of when you have the right knowledge, guidance, and community to hold you accountable to showing up in your personal power each and every day.
2: So if you're feeling stuck, or if you're struggling with low self-esteem, or if you're feeling lonely and finding it hard to connect with other people, you are not alone anymore. We are here to be your guides, to walk you along the path of self-discovery. And we're going to do that by creating space for you to connect each and every week. And we're going to teach you about things like relationships, building confidence, body positivity, and healing past wounds. And then once a month, the three of us are going to get together with you and other members, and we're going to connect and build that sense of community and belonging that we're all looking for.
0: This community is going to give you connection. It's going to give you direction. It's going to give you actionable coaching and steps to take, and it's going to help you get closer to living a more fulfilling and authentic life. Some of the things that you can look forward to in the membership are master classes, weekly group Zoom calls, weekly coaching videos and lessons, live Q&A's, special guest presenters and coaches, a dedicated private Facebook group, and so much more. Because we can't coach all of you individually, this is the next best thing to being able to work with us one on one. This is a group and a community from all over the world coming together for one common vision.
2: For me, that's learning to love who you are and then living it out loud.
1: And for me, that is creating a safe space where we can all show up and be our authentic selves. And for me, that is to create the community that we want to see in the world.
0: This is the Gay Men Going Deeper membership. So if you'd like more information and to join the waitlist, just click the link in the show notes. Okay, on to today's episode. Well, hello, 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 everybody! Welcome to another episode of Gay Men Going Deeper. Today, I'm your host, Callan Brecken, and we have on the show again the amazing Jordan Bach. If you don't know who Jordan is, he's a life coach, a motivational speaker, and writer. And he has been on the show before. He was amazing, so I'm happy to have him back again. Welcome back, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm
3: back. <laughs> I'm back. Is that doing, your dad joke? That, that, well, that, that is my sense of humor. It's very, it's either very, very dark humor or just dad jokes, and I find them funny. And I'm the type type of annoying person that laughs at my own jokes. Oh my god, that's amazing!
0: <laughs> I'm Pock. Well, okay. There go.
3: <laughs> All
0: right. Well, how are you doing? Introduce yourself. Say hi to the people.
3: Hello. 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 I'm Jordan Bach. I've known, Callan, we've known each other for, for how long?
0: Oh, geez. I think I first interviewed you in, I was living in New York. 2013? I wanted to, yes. Yes. 2013.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right. So we've known each other for a while now. And, you know, when I first started out on the internet, I started, I, I started um, my blog called the Bach book and I was talking at the time. Now I speak to everybody of all, you know, every kind of human being, but back then I was speaking exclusively to and about um, gay men, and so that's how I started building my my audience, and that at the time felt just very necessary. Um, and that was that's like 11 years ago now. It felt necessary to talk to gay men in a way that um, spoke to the, to the deeper truths about who we are. Um, and of course, we're all individuals and we all have very unique um, life experiences. But I felt that there was lacking a, <clears throat> well, I'll say this, to be quite honest. Um, <clears throat> I read, excuse me, <clears throat> I read a, a book by Larry Kramer called The Tragedy of Today's Gaze. And it's a speech he gave. I finished that within a couple hours one night, laying in bed in New York. And at the time, I was figuring out, you know, what should I be doing with my life? I just graduated college. I had no idea what kind of work I should do. And what led me to that book was, was that prayer, You know, tell me what I should do um, with my life. Um, I know I want to use my voice in some capacity, but I don't know what for. And I read that book, The Tragedy of Today's Gaze. And in it, he really spoke in a kind of, um, let's just say, brusque way. Um, very straightforward way about his beliefs, and I don't share all of his beliefs, but one of his beliefs was that gay men need to start taking responsibility for their lives. And when I looked around at that time in 2010, I felt like all of the gay media that was available, at least to me, um, was speaking to the lowest common denominator of our shared experience as gay men. And as I started to talk about it, and I created a blog and started writing about gay, gay issues and gay relationships and gay romance and gay fun, and started sharing my own personal life experience with all of those things, um, I very quickly started to um, g- accumulate a, an audience of amazingly heart-centered, insightful sweet, sensitive gay men who looked at things um, more similarly. Um, And really, that that's how I got started. Wow. Um, Yeah. And so I know, today, we wanted to chat a bit about relationships, um, whether they be romantic or platonic. Um, with other gay men Um, and so do you want to do that
0: (laughs) oh yeah definitely I love this topic because I think times have changed so drastically since I was in school I remember I wasn't out in high school and there was one out kid and I despised him not because he was the out kid but because he was annoying as fuck um and so I didn't come out because I didn't want to be like roped up and associated associated. with him yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. but then since coming out I I'd gone back to my high school a number of years ago when I started a nonprofit and helped them out like build their LGBTQ um like gay straight alliance and so I came in as a leader to kind of help them build that up and there was so many gay kids and it was like maybe four like four years later three four years later and so I was like, holy crap, it times changed so quickly between when I was in high school, I graduated 2005, till when I went back, maybe a couple years later, and I was like, okay, things are very different. And now it's been I don't want to say how long it's been. But it's been a number of years, I think I've definitely passed my 15 year. But um, it it's just so different now. And also like looking at all the stats on how the younger generation identifies just sexually, like so many more of them identify as pansexual or just fluid. And I think that that's kind of the direction a lot of the world is going. We kind of got to this like equilibrium space where it's just like a balance, but this, I think, um, pertains to the gay community and the, and gay men as, as how we've developed and like kind of matured over the years as a society. And back in the day, you know, when you came out, all of a sudden your life changed drastically and, you know, you had to hide and you had to pretend that you weren't who you were unless you were with your friends. And then that led to like, oh, well, we can't really have relationships or they look very different than the heteronormative. And then fast forward, you know, you can go out, you can hold hands in public and these things started to change, but we're still in such a close proximity to the generation that couldn't do that when they started, to the new generation that is doing it like it's, like, you know, nothing, and the in-between, and so in regards to relationships, we have such a spectrum of people's experiences from when they started to now, Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting to see um, our community evolve and grow to that place where it's like, now it's just, it is becoming the normal, but we had to go through those growing pains in order to get there. And we're still going through them. And so anytime we bring up this topic in, in our community, it is always just such a talked about topic because, you know, that's kind of, you know, we're a social being, we're social creatures and we want to connect. We want to find that, that space where we can connect. And from my personal experience, I find that a lot of men, especially gay men get lost in the confusion between platonic relationships and romantic relationships because they'll see somebody that they find sexually attractive and they'll think oh i want to be with that person and then they find out they're a nice person they're kind but the other person doesn't reciprocate the attraction and then it just becomes this a bit of a mess and so they you know there needs to be a little bit more help navigating that you know the difference between platonic relationships and romantic relationships and that yes you can have both in one person but you could also have those things separated and it's not all just about sex and having a good time
3: <laughs> it's it that's such a common thing um in 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 the gay population it, um so um it's it, it but i've never he- actually really heard the, the, heard it out the way you just said it. Um, it's it's so true and it's so common. Here's what here's what I think. <clears throat> when that happens, let's say you like someone and then um, the it, it's not reciprocated. What can sometimes happen within you is that. You feel resentful toward the person. And I think that's one of the most dangerous points of this particular relationship dynamic is that when you begin feeling resentful towards someone for not reciprocating, um, you, you know, uh, admir- admiration or, or um, sexual attraction, when you feel resentful toward another person then you really do start getting into the thick of things. That's a very thorny, thorny, thorny um, world of one's own making. One that's filled with resentment and outward projection of your anger, your frustration, or just your general dissatisfaction with the way your life is going. So I've, I've always talked about and I've always practiced in my own life really closely monitoring any resentments i feel percolating because they're very it's, it's 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 one of the most dangerous emotions um resentment can move to cruelty quicker than we all know but history bears that out um, and so you want to get in in the very beginning when you start feeling the resentment and in a situation like a unreciprocated uh, romance uh, you want to pull in and ask yourself if you want other people to respect your choices and your boundaries and the answer to that is of course yes when i say no to something i would like other people to respect my no and We must, in the same vein, respect other people's no's. They know what's best for them. And also every time you get a no, that could be leading you toward the place and the time in your life where you get that big resounding yes. And had you received a no from someone who, um, or had you received a yes from someone who wasn't right for you um that would lead you down a path you're not supposed to be on so there there is a kind of i think what's the word like a playfulness with which you can go out into the world and experience human relationships sometimes the very person who you want to like you who then you find out said something horrible about you It it helps you define what your boundaries are, what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. And you have to trust in the universe to guide you to the exact right constellation of people. And those people will say yes, whether as friends, as family members, as lovers, those people will say yes. You won't have to fight and strain And so much of our experience as gay men is um, a sense that we have had our struggles Um, and there's beauty that comes from having struggled. There are also problems that flow from living in a mindset of constantly feeling like everything has to be a struggle. Certainly if you go on a date with someone and you think you're gonna have to convince them to like you, it's going to be a very awkward date. And the person may very well say, um, you're, you're cute, you're cool. It's just, I don't think our energies are vibing right now. And that's why so much of the work that we do in relationships in regards to other people is actually the work we're doing on ourselves yes. to relinquish our, our resentment And become people who trust and have faith in the universe and in other people.
0: Yes. Yes. I fully vibe on that. I'm always looking around and anytime I... know there's a potential person and you know it wasn't quite a right fit like the connection wasn't exactly right i mean nothing's ever going to be perfect relationships are work and we have to recognize that that you know once you choose somebody that there will be work involved but if it's not right i always look at it and go okay it's not quite right but it's almost their universe like you got closer this time and every time i meet somebody or you know, have been dating somebody, they've gotten me that much closer to that one who's gonna be like the good fit. Like that puzzle piece that slips in and it's like, cool, it's not a perfect match because there's always gonna be work to be done, but all this stuff matches up to the point where like everything that I feel like for the long-term is gonna work out, it's great. But the universe, every time you go through that, you tell the universe, cool, you got even closer this time and the next one could be that perfect. Yes. Where it's like, yes, everything is a go on this one.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And w- one thing I've, I've always thought is that just because a relationship ends doesn't mean that it has to end badly. Yes.
0: I, and I, that's not, an, Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. No, just that, That's another sort of unconscious belief I think a lot of people have. And so it's their knee-jerk reaction when they are in the midst of a breakup or a relationship ending to start feeling those feelings of anger and resentment. And I want to take care of myself and I want to be... um, the, the brightest light that I can be and resentment and anger directed at other people cloud my vision and dim my light. So like I said, it's not that, you know, I, I don't have feelings of resentment or anger or frustration. Sometimes it's that I try and be very, I try and make my comeback rate very high, that okay, I felt it but as time goes on, I'm much more easily forgiving Mm
2: -hmm. and I
3: I wanna move on. When it comes to a breakup or a relationship ending, um, I think it's possible to acknowledge that you are not meant to be in the same relationship configuration with that person, but that you can still maintain thoughts of love toward them. And I think that's why some of my past relationships um, have become some of my to this day um, closest friends. Because I just I, I don't care how they feel about it. I just blow past and I go straight to being friendly and checking in and um, b- barring situations where someone has done something, you know, has, has really betrayed you. Um, why not um, be friends? And sometimes it takes six months or a year or two years to start talking again. Um, but if we, in, in my view, if we had such a strong connection in the past and we shared so many thoughts of love toward each other, um, I've always felt kind of um, French in that regard. Um, like I, I want my current partner to know my exes, um, at least some of them, not all, (laughs) not all, but I think we could, like, I want, I want the people with whom I've shared my life in a really deep way to, to be at my wedding. Like I, I don't personally, and some people may not feel this way. I know they won't. That's okay. That's just the way I run my life. I think This life is actually so short. And I'm reminded of that every day, really, especially in the past year, how this life is so short and we can't waste it on feeling anger and resentful and sitting up at night or driving around the car and thinking about what someone did to us or those thoughts that really lead you to a darker place. And so that's why the inner work that I'm talking about, that is required of you in order to really get to a place where you can let go of your resentments, forgive people. Um, And as A Course in Miracles, which is the metaphysical text I study and teach, A Course in Miracles says, um, forgiveness is is really giving up the past and giving up um, the feeling that you can change the past so that it won't hurt you anymore. You can't, the past happened, it is over. The only completely true thought you can have about the past or any past situation is that it is not here now. And that's one little tool, granted it's an intellectual proposition, but It's a tool that you can use to help you move on. Remind yourself, the past is not here. And I have no power to change the past so that it won't hurt me. It already happened. Um, I fully agree. I totally resonate on that. It's (laughs) a deep, 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 deep topic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm friends Mm -hmm. with all my exes still. I don't, I don't have any exes that I'm not friends with. I mean, I did have to take that grieving. I call it a grieving period of like Mm
1: -hmm. of a
0: relationship that looks differently than what you thought it was going to look like. Cause I don't think Mm -hmm. it's a death of something. I think it's just kind of a, a, an evolution and a growth part of it. And so take that time to grieve. And sometimes it might take longer. Sometimes it might take less time, but I'm still very friendly with all my exes. I just talked to one, you know, last week and and had a bit of a chat and, you know, Hey, how's it going? I'm not, maybe not necessarily best friends with some of them, but like Mm -hmm. still like walking down the street would be like, Oh my God, like, Hey, how's it going? Um, and I loved what you were talking about in resentment. I was thinking about this. Um, I think it's this monk quote where holding on to like anger and resentment is like holding on to an ember, like a fiery hot ember in hopes of throwing it at the person that you're angry at. All that it does is that it hurts you. And that's what you're doing when you're sitting on this energy of like hoping to change the past and like being angry about it. You're only hurting yourself. You're not mm-hmm. hurting anybody else.
3: What do you think for you was um, the best thing in your, in your grieving process of past relationships?
2: Oh,
0: that's a good question. I think giving myself the permission to take time and to take space and doing Mm -hmm. what I needed to. Um, With my second ex, when I was over in the Middle East, um, he was moving back to the US. um, So it was going to be long distance. And and I felt that the relationship was going to come to an end. And I knew he wasn't going to end the relationship because he couldn't, he didn't have the language, he didn't have the capacity to do it. So I ended the relationship knowing that, that was going to happen a month before he physically left so that it's like let's take our time let's take some space now because right now i'm in the upset angry about this relationship not continuing space and so i needed a month to like kind of like breathe through it mourn it um you know sit on sit on the couch watch ne- watch netflix eat ice cream be a bit sad and so that i could come back at it with those fresh eyes of like returning to love returning to gratitude returning to like Um, compassion and being like he's just another human being we're all just people doing the best we can with what we got and then I could really say goodbye in a very loving space and and that's who I just spoke to the other day and you know he's a beautiful person our energies weren't just meant to be in it for the long run which is totally fine because I think people come into your life for sometimes a a season or sometimes a long, like a couple of seasons. And if it's just a season, you know, what are the lessons that can be learned in that? And I always focus on after I've gone through the grieving, after I've gone through the process, what are the amazing lessons that I learned here? What can I take away from this so that I can continue to grow and improve my own life moving forward? So it's like, okay, well, I learned that I don't like this in a relationship or I learned that I do like this thing in a relationship. Maybe there's things that surprised you and shocked you that you're like, I didn't realize that about myself. And you can take that and move on to the next space and go, okay, well, I know that I acted this certain way in the relationship. Let's work on that before I dive into another one and keep repeating that same thing. I need to
3: learn this lesson before I move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the grieving process of a relationship, whenever I I coach someone who is going through a breakup, the one of the first things I tell them is this may take a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and whenever someone says, um, you yeah, know, I just broke up with my boyfriend last night and I'm never gonna see him again. I go, okay. Knowing that as in virtually, yeah, in many, many, many cases <laughs> happens is that the next week we get on the phone and they say, I feel really bad about myself. I, I went to the bar last night and ended up back in his bed. And I, and, and so sometimes it can be this un, just this, you know, to use Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, much maligned goop terminology, it, it's this uncouple, it's this conscious uncoupling that is, is harder in many cases to, um, to achieve um, than you might think. Um, it takes a, a while, especially if you've been with the person for a while. And you've created an identity together to just snap your fingers and, and be completely separated um, sometimes it's a it's kind of an ongoing process sometimes you're having the breakup conversation several times um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're weak or you're crazy or you're um, you have horrible indecision and sometimes it just means you, you, you're two human beings whose souls have, become intertwined and you're going about the process of extracting yourself and that's okay too and for all of the people who who have been horribly betrayed and who have felt that um, for example that, that you've had energy vampires in your life that you're very happy to be to be to, to just be moved on from um, that's okay too um, you know, when I'm having conversations like this, I have realized that I'm just one soul having this very individual, unique human experience. And so I speak less as an expert and someone rather who's in the trenches with all of you. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I go through so many of the problems that everyone else does too. And it's it's been my work to just look really closely and deeply at the emotional contours and the psychological tricks that are happening as all of these things are happening Um, to me uh, uh, as much as to the people with whom I work.
0: Oh, yeah, we're all humans. We all... It's so crazy. Sometimes people look at you and they're like, oh, but you have to be perfect. You're this person. Or they look at somebody like Oprah and they're like, oh, no, she's perfect. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know Oprah as an individual, as like a personal friend. You don't know the stuff behind the scenes. You just see what's presented to the world. But we're all just human beings going through the same thing. And I think that the more people realize That everybody else is going through the same stuff that's why I love community so much Um, and why I'm learning so deeply right now about connecting with community in a different way is because everybody's going through so much of the similar stuff and you don't realize it until you come together in community and you go oh my gosh you too like you was like you're going through that as well and then you can come together and go okay so I'm not alone and it builds that social aspect of being human like coming together and like learning and growing together and and it's just so much part of the journey to be like yep I mean I've had not bad breakups but I've had like uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable conversations with people or like things have gone completely wrong in relationship regards and it's just like oh god and I've acted I wouldn't say out of integrity because I always try and like Conduct myself well, but like, there's I'm a human man. Like, I might say something that might be shitty, and then as long as I come around and realize it, I apologize for it. That's when I'm making sure I'm standing in my integrity. Like, yeah, we're all human. I might have a slip up or something might go wrong, but I look at it and I think about it and I go, okay, I was in the wrong. Let's come back and have another conversation about this. I actually had, I was seeing somebody here in Toronto for a number of months when the pandemic first started. And then we got to a place where we we're like, "Hey, this isn't right for us," but the way we navigated that was very uncomfortable for me, and and it was it. it it went in a very skewed direction that I didn't think it would go because this was such a beautiful human being. And I was like, how could this conversation be going so wacky and so wrong, but you know, they're just a human being just like I am just because, you know, they're happy go lucky doesn't mean that they have their own wounds and their own stuff that they're navigating. And, Mm -hmm. and when we ended it there, it didn't feel good. So then when we circled back around, it was like, Hey, I don't feel good about the way things got left. Would you be open to having another conversation just to make sure that like you know, anything that maybe wasn't in integrity or whatever, we could just kind of have a redo. And then we did. And it just felt so much better on both of our sides. We both felt like, okay, yeah, the first one was kind of just getting out the anger and the upset and kind of the grieving. And then the second conversation was more like, okay, no, this is who we are. This is the good stuff. This is like, we want to be friends. And obviously we want to be in each other's lives because there was a connection there but now we're realizing it's meant to be in a friendship way not in a romantic sexual way and that's okay there
3: you go there you go you know it took a couple conversations to 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 get to get it right and i think it's always possible even though sometimes things that sh- were would have been better left unsaid were indeed said and feelings may have been hurt Um, when you get in, in this mindset of realizing everyone's human, everyone's struggling, um, in some way, um, or pressing toward, um, some ideal and often falling short, um, it's easier to call someone or send them a message and say, Hey, no hard feelings. Um. And recognize that the deeper part of them knows that what they did was out of integrity, to use your words, Callan. And the same is true of me. Um, the, the, the things that I've done in the past, some of them, um, that I know to be out of integrity, I, 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 I know that deep down. And it makes it a lot easier to um, forgive and to ask for forgiveness, to realize that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think, Um. I think one of
0: the best things that somebody can also learn is that when you're going, when people are dating and they're starting to go on dates um, and then they realize, Hey, this isn't the right connection for me, or this isn't a matchup for me, this whole energy around ghosting or just like not wanting to hurt another person's feelings. I think we need to kind of cultivate a new responsibility in that regard that it's not hurting somebody's feelings by telling them the truth. If you do it in a loving and compassionate way. Um, an, An example is I went on a walk the other day with somebody who I was chatting with and was like, cool, let's go for a walk and see if there's an energy here. Went for a walk. The energy was not there for me. And so afterwards I had to take the responsibility upon myself and go, look, I know that this energy isn't a match for me. So I need to write this person and say, hey, it was really great meeting you. I really enjoyed the time you shared with me. Um, The connection we have uh, isn't a match for me, but I still really enjoyed getting to know you as a person. Thank you so much. And it's a simple and easy, just like, hey, I really enjoyed you. Your energy is cool. It's not the energy I'm looking for. It's not a match for me, but I still appreciate the time you took and thank you. And he was like, Oh yeah, cool. No problem. Like I, you know, had a good time, have a good one. And I think people have a lot more respect for that. And I think that Mm -hmm. if more people could learn that you're not hurting somebody's feelings by being honest, as long as you're, being conscious of how you do it as long as you're not saying oh it was terrible or it was awful just lead with love and compassion that there would be so many more there would be a lot less hurts happening because it you're hurting people more often by ghosting them or by like leading them on because you don't have the courage I guess you could say to just say hey it's not the right vibe for me I wish
3: you well thank you so much for your time hmm you're absolutely right Um, The word, you know, the the word just being straightforward and what being straightforward can do is give both you and the other person, whether it's a friend or a lover, um, give you clarity because one of the most menacing sort of like suspicion inducing things is vagueness and lack of clarity, and so, like you just said, it's you, you're kind of helping someone else by telling them how you gen how you genuinely feel, um, and you can you can have so many friends and acquaintances in this life, and so I always thought about dating as as meeting, just meeting new people. And I think it's particularly tricky with gays because we don't always know what the intention is. Like, am I going to the movies or am I going for a cocktail with someone? Do they have the intention of of something bigger than a relationship? Or are they sexually attracted to me or not? Because that just has a different energetic dynamic that begins to unfold. And so it's, it's always nice to do your best to be clear. And the best way to learn how to be clear is by trying. And over time, over many attempts with different people, to be calm, clear, and compassionate, the three C's, um, you'll learn how to do it and do it very well. But your first maybe couple times of reaching out to be clear with someone, um, it will be maybe a little awkward, maybe a little uncomfortable, Um, that's okay. If they are in the right heart space themselves, which is a quality you want people around you to have, if they're in the right heart space, They'll they'll forgive your awkwardness and clumsiness and see through to the intention behind what you were trying to do, which is offer clarity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that because I uh, one of Brene Brown's quotes is my mantra of clear is kind, unclear is unkind, and I always That's lead. That's exactly that.
3: it, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: you always lead with that. Is that clear is kind? Unclear is unkind. So anytime I'm dealing with any kind of situation, even in business or relationship in any regard, I'm always telling myself, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So if I want to be kind, if I want to lead with compassion, I need to make sure that I'm being clear. And that double checking, you know, okay, how about you repeat back to me what was said or something in that regard? So it's like, okay. Yes, what I'm saying is being heard correctly because people interpret things differently as well. They're not always going to be interpreted the same way. Even though you might be kind to this person, they might still be in that upset that this relationship or this potential relationship in their head's not going to happen, and that's okay. They might have to go through a bit of a grieving period. But you could always potentially circle back around and say, "Hey, you know, how are you feeling now?" And they might be like, "You know what? Yeah, I was pissed off at first, but now I'm glad that you were clear with me because." it allowed me to process and move through it as opposed to just sit in that limbo space where I think a lot of gay men sit in that limbo space with guys that are just like, you know, not confident enough to stand up and say, Hey, I'm not interested in you. And so there's all this back and forth energy where it's just like, look, either you're interested or you're not interested. Just be clear with me.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's exactly right. I think that's why I'm so happy you're doing what you're doing with a community of gay men is because by virtue of talking about these things and realizing um, the profound effect, something like choosing um, clarity as compassion, um, by virtue of just talking about this today and having people listen and start implementing that into our lives, we're going to create a better, community, a stronger community that has more abundance in terms of its opportunities for connection, for real, deep, lasting connection, whether it be with friends or with lovers. So I just think it's so cool what you're doing.
0: Nice. I do too. I love it. I hope the guys listening love it too. So for everybody who is listening, I want to ask you because you were talking about, um, you know, that limbo period of where they're, you know, is this a date? Is it just a cocktail? Is it just a movie? Mm. How Mm. do you go about? Or how can you tell if it's a date? Because for me, I make sure that when I'm asking somebody out, I make it clear that I am interested in them romantically. And I say, Hey, I would like to take you out on a date. And I say specifically that this is what I want. I don't say, hey, let's hang out. Hey, let's go for coffee. Hey, let's go to a movie. I say, I would like to take you out on a date to go get a coffee or to go do something else so that they know there's a romantic interest there. And also in that regard, I'm the type of person that if I ask you out on the date, I am fully prepared to pay for everything because that is me asking you out. And that's, that's how I navigate that. But I know everybody else has different rules. So what are your rules or what are your ideas that you could give people for, you know, navigating that? Like, is it, isn't it?
3: That would be very nice if people started asking, you know, can I take you out on a date or shall we go on a date? Um, Rather than, Hey, let's, let's hang out. Um, I know there have been many situations in my life where when you know i thought people were genuinely wanting to hang out with me to be to have fun and to make a new friend and in many circumstances when realize that I have a different intention and i express to them you know i'm not looking for i'm not looking for for romance with you um, <laughs> When I've said that, um, that's when the ghosting will happen for me. And that that's been sad. It's been it's it's been sad sometimes because you're like, oh, I wish you had told me up front you were you wanted to go on a date. And in some of those situations, I may have said, you know what? I think about it. Okay, yeah, let's go on a date and see if. See if it would work out. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that you say I, I want to go on a date. And moreover, that you're you know willing to pay for it. That's kind of a different story, but the just this the straight, clear intention, I think is also has the added benefit of being sexy.
0: Yeah, the confidence there, the confidence of like okay, the confidence. Because even if, you know, even if. I have such mad respect for guys that even if I'm not attracted to them or sexually attracted to them, if they have the confidence to come up to me or to approach me and say, hey, I want to take you out on a date. I find you attractive. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm a no on that regard, I'm still like, but you had the confidence to do that. I still think you are an awesome person. And, you know, I've done that as well. I've been shot down. I don't i mean that might not be the nicest way of Mm -hmm. saying it but like i've been shut down and as long as it's done with compassion and like genuine like love behind it and like hey it's just not the right fit for me i personally can quickly turn to cool i still think you're amazing so let's be friends because you've shut the romance off in my head and i'm like a clear person so if you shut that off i'm like cool move on like i don't need to ruminate on what could have been because I know that there's so many other amazing guys out there. I've met so many amazing guys that this is another way the universe is saying not the right one, but getting closer. Mm -hmm. And so just that, oh yeah, being clear and having that makes me happy.
3: Very, very, very sexy. When a gay man walks up to another gay man and says, you know, here, uh, you know, I wrote down my number. Here you go. Like I would, I, I I'd love to go on a date sometime. Because let me tell you why. Because it so infrequently happens. And I was talking about this with my friend last week. And yeah, we we were both like, wow. Like the uh, hey, what's up? Text really just doesn't do it. And yet someone like walking up to you, granted, we're spending less time in public now, but someone coming forward in any way um, and being clear about their desire to like, take you on a date without being without, you know, you don't have it's you won't come off as desperate if your energy is calm, clear and compassionate and chill.
2: Mm -hmm. And in
3: fact, even a little bit of nerves behind the asking it still shows you it still shows you that that this is a person who um, feels a little nervous, but is willing to like bust through that block and do it anyway. And that in and of itself for for heart centered people is sexy. It's like, wow, you, you, you have a little courage, you have courage to be clear. Um, yeah, so that those are two things we've spoken about today. I think you said it's having the courage to be clear. Yeah. And I think that that's true, whether you're on one end of the conversation or the other, it takes courage to be clear. And in these times, I think you're seeing, um, the most courageous people are the ones who are really rising in their lives. And those of us who are lacking courage in any area, whether it's about dating and relationships or about our businesses, the people who are lacking courage um, um, are are not doing so well. And in fact, in many cases, at least in the public arena, they're being um, exposed as not having the courage to stand um, in, in, in their truth, in the truth. that's a topic for another
0: day. Oh, for sure. And that also like having the courage to be clear and to, you know, do these things, it doesn't mean that you're not going to stumble. You're going to stumble. You're pardon me. You're going to stumble. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to mess up, but that isn't failure. That is learning. That is growth. That is building the muscle so that you can do it again and again and again and get better at it. The people who do it didn't just do it and it was like they were perfect at it they practiced at it they got better at it they learned um i think it's lewis house um i listen to his podcast often and he talks about how you know he kind of just made this promise to himself one summer and he was just like I'm really bad at talking to girls. He couldn't do it, he was really uncomfortable. And he promised himself that summer that he was gonna to talk to every girl that he found attractive, whether it was to ask her out or just talk to her so that he could build the strength of that muscle of getting used to being uncomfortable while talking to a girl. And eventually he got over it so that he could talk to girls and he could ask them out and it was fine. But that was a muscle he had to build, he had to learn. We. People think that you're just born with it or that it's natural or that, you know, I can't do it because I'm this way or that way. And that is complete bullshit. You can learn to do anything you want to do. You just have to be willing to put in the time, the dedication and having a support system and a community is the best way to start doing that because you get to build those little micro muscles in a safe space so that when you go out to the real world when the world opens again and you go to the bar or the club or wherever and you see a guy you have that support system of that confidence to go you know what I'll try this this one time I might stumble
3: it is going to be hard Um, when things um, begin reopening it's going to be a little harder because all of us I think have have taken our self-esteem has taken a hit because we haven't been um, interacting regularly with people and feeling comfortable doing it. I mean, one thing I noticed, the difference between growing up in Boston, Massachusetts, and then moving to New York City and living in New York City for 15 years. And I would go back home to visit Boston and I noticed that people were more on edge they were lacking self-confidence a bit compared to New Yorkers and just very uneasy and clumsy with social interaction. And my hypothesis is because New Yorkers are on top of each other every day, you know, pre-COVID. Like you walk, I, I walk out of my door to go get a cup of coffee and like someone... You know, a a, a mentally unwell person yells at me, you know, horrible things about me. And it's like, okay, dude, moving on. And then you, you know, you deal with on any given day, like 35 people. And then in a smaller town, you aren't, you don't have that social interaction as often. And so you can be in some circumstances a little more awkward because you're just not used to the daily rubbing up against each other, so to speak, and polishing your rough edges that social interaction will do for you. And so leading from that hypothesis into what will be post-COVID release, I guess, of us all into the world, is that I think people are gonna be a little bit rusty around the edges, a little clumsy, a little awkward. And so it's good that we're talking about this today to really pin down um the things that that are going to be helpful to focus on if i may you know i can i i I just want to get in two more points one of them is this that you know there's a thing called pretty privilege and it's very real and it's not one that's often talked about um the fact that uh, if you are someone who many people consider to be conventionally attractive um, then many doors are open for you uh, that otherwise wouldn't be. Uh, you, you can, you, you know, the, the length of conversations that you'll have with, uh, with another attractive person are longer than they would be if you weren't one of them. So putting that as a, just a fact of life, okay? And there's no way to, 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 to fix that problem in life um it it's just a reality of life but what i've found to be true is that when people are focused on their charisma which is to say the spirit flowing through them i think that's the that's the meaning of the word charisma um when you're focused on the light the depth the curiosity that you're bringing into any given conversation that's what people are tuning into That's what will have them remain in conversation with you, if you'd like that. And I've also noticed, and and, and I say this compassionately, that there have been many conventionally attractive people, say, in a photograph, who when you see them in real life, moving and speaking, they they are no longer attractive. I've definitely experienced that. And the that. same <laughs> goes in reverse. The same goes in reverse. Someone who you might see swiping on Tinder, in photographs, they appear unattractive to you. And they may be, in the eyes of the world, a con- you know, less conventionally attractive people in truth. However, when you are with them, when they're speaking, and they're moving the, the, their bodies, and you're sensing the energy that's coming out from them. Things shift. And I've met many a very sexy, sexy man who is not conventionally attractive. I think some people are really I think a, a small population percentage of the gay community is solely focused on getting a partner with you know, a sick body. And a beautiful, conventionally handsome face. Um, I think the rest of us, normal people, are really looking for someone whose energy just kind of like takes our breath away, or really makes us so curious about them. Um, nice. People whose whose light leads. And so, the the, the first point is true, that some people are more conventionally attractive, and there is pretty privilege. And please don't go on the internet yelling at people who are attractive, telling them they have pretty privilege, okay? It's a waste of your fucking time. Um, Because they're not getting any less pretty, okay? Um, And in fact, as a result of dealing with bullshit like that, they'll actually become stronger people. Um, The first thing, the first premise can be true, and so can the second that if you focus on charisma, your charisma won't fade. It will only get better and better. Your looks will fade and sag, but your charisma won't. And and I think that's an important little mantra to have in your mind before you start having a conversation with someone who who you're attracted to. Um, And there's so many YouTube videos you can find on building your charisma. And I think it's totally possible to retain who you are as a person to retain your spirit. And at the same time, maybe work on your speaking voice or think about like a dancer might do or an entertainer. Think about the way you hold your body in public. Um, I I, I, I don't think um, spirituality and um, self-awareness and being um, conscious about how you're projecting your energy into a, a space to another person I don't think those things are mutually exclusive in in my own life they're one and the same um, after all like I am not my body and my soul is driving this thing around oh my god and this thing is getting creepy already and I'm only 34 <laughs> but oh man but, so you can play around with your body that's why um if if you want to modify your body but I mean by all means it, do what you want with your body it, it it is as RuPaul says you know it's it's all just drag it's all just drag yeah. and if you can as you're modifying your body dyeing your hair getting a haircut maybe you got a nose job maybe whatever it is who cares what matters is is your light still shining through Yes. Is your light still shining through? And do you really love that light? Do you yes. love how unique your light is? And do you ha- have you started to come into, into contact with your special soul essence and the particular gifts you have to bring into the world? And when you do that, then your light leads. And even if you're not a conventionally attractive person, or maybe you're an older person, when you start doing that, you'll notice the quality of people around you begins to shift and change. And the people who you uh, attract to you, who might stay in, in a conversation with you for a longer period of time, um, have, a, have, have more of, of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I think that that is true.
0: I think what you just said, all of what you just said is so true. And I resonate on such a deep level with it because I was going to actually tell a story about a friend of mine who is not conventionally attractive, but he knows Everybody in the city, like I'm from Vancouver, he knows everybody in Vancouver, everybody knows him, everybody adores him and loves him. And it's because he has this charisma about him. And he's had relationships with all sorts of people. And I'm just always looking at him and being like, man, he is the epitome and proof that what's on the outside you know might have an effect on some people but that charisma that energy that soul that you bring into the world that is truly the most important part because i've been out when i've seen somebody who i'm like wow that person is gorgeous and i've talked to them and it's been like dead in the water i'm like oh geez like this is like (laughs) like zero (laughs) yeah like Like zero
3: yeah they open their they open their mouths and marbles fall out and you're just like what yeah wow um, so I think we all have like noticed those people, which is why this idea kind of, of pretty privilege um, and you, you can often, when you're talking about relationships as a gay man, um, people will lament, other men will lament and say, but I'm 50, but, but I'm not attractive. And, you know, my bo- I'm, I'm, I'm 50 pounds overweight, 100 pounds overweight or something. And I've worked with some of these people and gave them a strict rule of they can lament privately to themselves, but they cannot lament to me. And over the course of our work, we work on really opening up their heart space and deepening their faith to know that they can manifest a relationship into their lives, but you you manifest like changing your energy field around you. So that resentment, it's got to go. That resentment of younger people or prettier people has got to go. Why? Because it's stuck in your energy field. And we're, we're we're always projecting our energy field into a space and other people are subconsciously and sometimes consciously can pick up on it and be like wow that that person is like resentful or that person is bitter or that person is jealous or that person is um afraid of something
2: mm-hmm. and, and
3: that, that that literally repels other people from you just oh, like yeah. when you you you're with someone and you you just get this feeling like ooh Uh, You walk away maybe this just happened to me like two weeks ago. I I met someone and we got along famously. But then after I left, I was like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Like, and, and then after sleeping on it, which usually turns out for all of my life coach, philosophical bullshit, Sometimes, just sleep on it, Jordan. Um, just go, go to sleep, go to sleep. And then the next morning you're like, oh yeah, now it's kind of clear how, how I felt about that situation and why it wasn't, why it didn't feel right to me. Just the energy was off, it was leaky. So there are a lot of, energy and, and when you start doing this work of opening your heart and your intuition, you can attract a lot of energy vampires Mm -hmm. who, you know, love being around you, but you you feel kind of drained afterward. Um, And that's part of the ups and downs and the learning, um, the sort of jungle of of life. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: that's why community is so important. And now, hold on, I have to get this in. I think this will be very valuable for your listeners. One of the most important pieces of, relationship advice, dating advice, that I've received and that I've passed on to countless people who I've coached for whom it has never failed to work and provide results for them, is if you are desperately seeking someone else or just simply seeking someone else, but you're you're talking to like 10 people, and you have like conversations going on Tinder and on Grinder and on Scruff or whatever those apps are, and you're also talking to some people on Instagram, you know, points of romantic or sexual attraction for you. What you're doing is, I call it an energy splay. And so you've got your hands in a lot of different buckets, So you're kind of talking to one person over here, another person over here, you're flirting with this person over here, your ex is texting you that... He, he wants to, you know, try and make things work. Your energy is going to be so splayed that it's diffused and you won't find any of those points of attraction to be strong enough. So I recommend for people who are looking for a relationship to take an inventory of how many people they're currently uh, have an energy cord to, so to speak, who they're talking to, flirting with. Um, As well as the other sexual um, outlets like porn and like, um, I don't know, hookups or whatever. Maybe you're going on grinder hookups. See the energy splay of your life at the present moment and go on a fast. And the fast should be completely self-directed. If you wanna do it for a week, do it for a week. So many people have said, I don't know if I'll be able to do this, but I can commit to seven days. They commit to seven days and go, oh my God, Jordan, like my energy has totally shifted. I'm able to now kind of tune in to what I'm looking for and see clearly that maybe none of these people are that. Or maybe one of these people actually I want to give them kind of my exclusive attention for for a little bit. So I call that my sex romance fast Um, and how you do it exactly and for how long should be completely self-directed. Maybe you don't want to stop porn. Okay, fine. But at least take an inventory of where that energy splay is happening in your sexual and romantic life. And if you can pull that energy back up and just sit with it, and see how your energy shifts over the course of days or, or weeks, um, I think it will do so many people who are listening, who are seeking a, re- a more meaningful relationship, um, it will shift the energy greatly. And so I hope that 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 serves someone that. who's listening.
0: I love that. And I, I agree, I, I have, I think I have Hinge and Tinder, but, I'll not go on them like I'll put them on pause for like weeks months and I just went on recently and that's how I went on this walk with this person just because every once in a while I like to tune in and say okay who's on what's going on what's the energy like maybe try Mm -hmm. see if there's a date see if there's something and then if there's nothing going on I'll try a couple things and then go okay time to shut it down again focus on me and like it just wasn't right Because I never know, maybe somebody will pop through and that energy will be great. But I, I'm like, I don't spread it all around to like a ton of different people. I pick one or two people that I'm like, yeah, there's a vibe. There's an energy here. Let's see if it could go somewhere. And if it doesn't, cool, let's take another little break and, you know, put that away. But it can become an addiction so quickly and so easily that you know, you have to have other focuses in your life that you're enjoying, that you can focus on so that that's not the only thing going on. And I think that that's a problem with a lot of the apps is that people do it out of boredom and they put a focus on it and then it becomes an addiction. And then that's when it's, you really need to take a fast, you need to take a break. Um, I also wanted to say, going back to the, um, the pretty privilege and the charisma, um, mm. in the long run, looks will fade like you said, looks fade, but your personality does not like I, I, (laughs) I use my mom as an example. This is funny, but my mom, she's in her sixties now. And she still talks like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And like her mind, I love it being able to talk to her now because she talks to me and tells me things like, man, my brain is still the same as when I was in my twenties. It's just the outside that changed. And like, she's like, I'm wiser and I know more, but like at the end of the day, I still want to like have fun and enjoy and like have personality and all these things. And those are the things that are so important. So I think it's really important when you are looking for somebody, especially if you're only using the apps To be conscious about using apps and in person, I know it's a pandemic right now, but things will shift. We will be able to go back out again. And I always find the greatest connections when I talk to somebody in person, whether it be over the phone, whether it be a a Zoom date or a Skype date, or whether that be like in person out meeting them because it's so different, like you said, looking at a photo and be like, wow, this person's really attractive, beautiful. And then you talk to them and marbles falls out, you know? So it's like the sooner you can rip that bandaid off and not play those stories in your head of like how beautiful your life will be together, the sooner you can kind of just be like, oh, cool, this person is not a match. And you didn't use up all that time imagining the stuff that wasn't gonna exist. You got in, you're like, hey, this person's cute. Let's have a voice, like a voice chat or let's have a video chat, get it done over with. Wow, there was an energy there. Cool, let's continue to invest in this because there's potential there. Or it's like, no. There was no energy here. But remember that those pretty people will eventually not be able to lean on their pretty side and that the personalities will shine through.
3: Yeah, so well, that's one of the saddest things in the gay community is that when you put your focus on your, on your physical attractiveness um, at the expense of focusing on your animating factor that's another thing you could call it. You know, what is the energy that animates you? When you're not focused on, on charisma or your energy field or your heart space, and you just focus on, on fussing with your physical appearance, appearance, I mean, I've seen it countless times, especially in New York City. Um, and now I'm in Miami. I moved to Miami where there is no shortage of beautiful people with incredible bodies and they flaunt it, um, many of whom are gay. And my concern, because I've I've had, you know, formerly very attractive gay men um, who are now older, maybe in their uh, 50s or 60s, who have experienced such a great sense of loss and grief and ruminating about the past uh, because they have lost that um, physical edge that they had. And they now realize they were focusing on their appearance and all of the great things that their appearance could get them um, in their early earlier years of life without really focusing on the heart space. So I, for one, have no fear of like losing whatever attractiveness I have um, because I have s- focused for so many years on that ener- the energy field I have around me and focusing on how I treat other people and focusing in a conversation, for example, with someone new who I'm meeting and getting to know about um, on what I can give um, rather than what I can get from them,
2: mm-hmm.
3: there's just this variety, this huge variety of little tools you can use to make your energy lighter and brighter, more radiant, more abundant. And I, like your mom, am very much looking forward to all of the years I had have ahead of me, God willing, um, for the wisdom that they'll bring me because. I wouldn't go back to my 20s if you paid me. I say this all the time. Like my 20s, I was really hanging around in in New York, like figuring out my life and I was doing the same work I'm doing. Um, But I was also very much in the trenches. What I told you at the beginning of our conversation, very much in the trenches. Um, And that was a more chaotic time. I feel more settled with my life as I grow older Um, The people around me um, are of higher and higher quality, people who I can trust, people who I cry with and laugh with. And that's just a shift in focus that I think we can all um, consciously make um, as gay men. when, When we go out into the world, whether we go to the gay bar or somewhere else, You have that little mantra with you in the Uber ride there, right? Have that little mantra with you. Like, I'm really going to be conscious of my energy and um, how I can positively affect the other gay men in this room tonight. And that cannot fail, but help help you change the quality of people that you are attracting into your life
0: Yes, I was going to say that exact same thing. I was going to say, focus on what you can give, not what you can get. And when you focus on what you can give and just being, you know, a beautiful person with charisma and energy and just being like, I just want to make everybody's night super great. I want to make them laugh. I want to make sure that they're having fun and enjoying themselves. That energy will attract people to you. It's so wild. When you focus on doing that, that's when everybody just comes to you and you're just like,
3: what?
0: But that's an experiment you got to do, but be willing to do that experiment. So we're coming to the end here, Jordan. And I just want to say, it has been absolutely lovely talking to you again. You're such a beautiful soul, such a beautiful person. I love our chats. Where can everybody find you if
3: they want to check you out? You can find me on Instagram at Jordan Bach, B-A-C-H. Or go to my website, thebachbook.com, and sign up for my email newsletter.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, we might have to get you Bach for more next time. (laughs) For my dad uh, jokes. (laughs) For your dad jokes. Yeah, it's been amazing having (laughs) you. For everybody out there listening, please, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and give us a thumbs up. It helps everybody else discover it. Share it around. If you're listening to this on a podcast, um, give us a star rating on whatever platform you're on. Again, share it around. And if you're not yet in our private members group, the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we supply peer-to-peer support for gay men going on their personal development journey, please join us all that. information will be in the notes for you and um, thank you again so much Jordan for having this magical conversation.
3: Thank you Kellen.